0: Hey everybody, welcome to another podcast episode of modernfloating.com. I'm here with Jamie Stanford and George Bryant from The Mind of George, whose story is quite incredible. I mean, there's, I don't think we're gonna be able to cover nearly or scratch the tip of the iceberg uh, in the course of this hour, but thank you, George, for being here.
1: I'm stoked. I wouldn't do that to anybody, not unless they were like, had an IV drip of caffeine to sit through the whole story, right? Like, <laughs> but I went through.
0: I it's one of the most interesting stories I've heard so far. I mean, do, can you give that recap again just to Yeah, the elevator them? version. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. I love it. I've practiced this like fifteen hundred times, I can right? Tell. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I so I uh I grew up outside of uh, you know, Boston. I just wasn't as smart as Matt Damon and Goodwill Hunting, but you know, kind of the same childhood, right? And so <laughs> Uh, drug abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, and my parents did the best that they had and did. Hence, I've done ayahuasca to learn, be able to say that one, right? Mm. Um, but went through a lot, and so was really unsupported, bullied, uh, struggled, was overweight. We were kind of poor, and so I started working super young, and then at 15, I started struggling with bulimia because I was sexually abused, and so I went through sexual abuse and things like that. And I basically knew I had two options: I'm either going to stay there and die or I'm going to leave and live. And I had no idea where I was going to go. Hmm. And I saw a Marine recruiter and I was like, that sounds like the hardest thing I can do. And so I set my sights and at 17, I forged my parents' signature. All my teachers passed me. We had social services involved. I tried to get emancipated. We had two welfare checks from the cops every day. And so I was like, oh, that looks like their signature. Ended up going to Marine Corps. And uh, I'll never forget the date, July 29, 2002. Uh, I went to the Marine Corps and then I ended up spending 12 years on active duty in the Marine Corps. Uh, deployed in 2004 to Somalia for 13 months, almost lost my legs, came back, made a full recovery after they wanted to amputate them, ended up tying a world record for a standing box jump, doing Ironman's marathons, blah, 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 still trying to prove my Napoleon complex wrong, right? And I'm mm-hmm. good enough, so, you know, somebody might like me someday. So I stayed in and then uh, ended up, you know, getting promoted pretty quick, ended up back in Afghanistan, 2009, 2010, I had seven concussions and about two years, so a traumatic brain injury, I witnessed a lot of death and destruction. Um, you know, uh, lost 28 Marines to suicide. I witnessed three of them came back and they're like, Hey, you're unfit for duty. And I was like, what am I going to do? My whole plan was do 20 years and hand out smiley face stickers at Walmart. Right. And that just got shot to shit. And right. I was like, I don't know what to do. I didn't have like a home to go back to. And so I was lucky enough in Afghanistan, I had found paleo and, it was just a window. I read The Four Hour Body by Tim and then led me to Rob Wolf. And I had struggled with bulimia since the sexual abuse. Like, I was purging in porta potties in ca- Camp Leatherneck in Afghanistan. Like, it was that bad. Mm. And um, it made so much sense to me that it was like so simple. I was like, oh, I can control my bulimia this way. But I never cooked. And paleo wasn't, you know, popular back in 2009, right? Like, they, we weren't running gluten free fads around sure. the place. So when I came back from Afghanistan, I was like, I'm going to cook every day. And I'm going to post it online so I can hold myself accountable. Well, I didn't go to college, so I had to make a fake college account to get a Facebook account back in 2010, right? I had to wheeze my way in. And so I just started posting. I would find a recipe on the Internet. I would make it and cook it and post it. I was like, hey, I made this recipe today. And I basically used the world as my accountability. After a little bit of time, people like I wish you had these recipes on a blog. Started a blog. The Marine Corps separated me, and the first product I launched um, was an accident. And it was the last, like the last week I was at work, and I made my monthly salary in day one, and my yearly salary on day two um, with an ebook in 2010, 2011. I was like, I'm out. And then I went on to become an entrepreneur, ran a food block, wrote a cookbook, became a 22-week New York Times bestseller. Hit number four in the world and then uh, launched an app called Caveman Feast. Hit number one in the world. Features Apple's top health app of 2015. Then I realized I hated cooking. It destroyed my relationship. Almost lost my wife. I sabotaged the entire thing and went to the jungle, drank some jungle juice, came back, walked away from the company, deleted social media, went dark for three years. And became a consultant behind the scenes, and now I've worked with Men's Health, Titleist, TaylorMade, the LA Clippers, on it, Aubrey Marcus, Jim Quick, you name it; those are my clients and friends. And now, I give it all away for free on my podcast. Amazing! Wow. Yeah,
0: can you do That's that an an noise
1: again for really us,
2: quickly?
1: <laughs> I, can. I can, I can. We're gonna take some other twists and turns, but I get the gist of it. I gave the extended version. Jeez so, Louise.
0: so what I got from that is, I mean, t- like twists and turns about from from the sexual abuse to the Marines, Mm -hmm. to finding, you know, paleo in a food, to helping with uh, becoming entrepreneur and techie, helping men, of all of these things, what have you found to be the most life-changing for you personally? Which one stands out to you? Because you, I mean, this was a laundry list of epic life changes that- You're like Forrest Gump. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, yeah. So
1: this answer might surprise you. Um, It was what happened in between them all that stood out to me because none of those things meant shit to me.
0: So what did mean something for you?
1: Um, Well, none of it did. And so I used all of those things to hide from myself. Mm. I never gave myself a moment because I was afraid to feel. I was literally afraid to be in a relationship with the one person I get to spend the rest of my life with, whether I like it or not. And that was me. And uh, so I would just jump and jump and jump. And so I would replace addiction with addiction. I would replace the, Mm -hmm. you know, the lack of longing or my core wound of not being good enough with I'm going to show them or I remember my wife threw me a New York Times books, you know, bestseller party and I walked out because I was number four, not number one. I went back to work that night. Like I literally would just replace and replace and replace. And so I figured the easiest place to hide was in plain sight. And so I was like, if I'm running Ironmans and marathons and tying world records, nobody's gonna know that I'm purging in a porta potty, right? If I'm sitting here helping the world and teaching them about health, they're not gonna know that I'm bulimic if I'm talking to them about self-love, they're not going to know that I'm suicidal and depressed. Mm. And so I figured the easiest place to hide was in plain sight. And so it was what happened in between them all. And eventually um, I fell in love with that between time. And, you know, I basically just got to a point where I made a world that I couldn't sustain anymore. And there were so many inputs and so many poles and so many masks that I was trying to wear that eventually they all started to erode. And my wife was an absolute angel and godsend, that this planet doesn't deserve never mind me bad self-talk. I do deserve her. I love her to pieces. Um, and it got to a point where the pressure broke me and broke me down, but it was to a place of surrender. And so I'm grateful and just really honored to have been given that gift of stubbornness and resiliency, but also having the experiences around me and, you know, call it whatever you want to miss You know, unfortunate events over and over and over again to be able to be here. But yeah, that that was the biggest gift. The accolades allowed me the ability and the perspective to see Mm -hmm. who I really was and what I was running from to become self-aware and work on the things that were going to move the biggest needles for me in my life. And so that's that's how I would answer that.
0: So let me ask you this then, because I mean, (laughs) I'm sure there's a lot of guys listening to this or you know, come on the podcast who deal with anxiety, depression on a daily basis, who, whether they feel like they're not good enough for a girl, they feel they're either too ugly, too short, too tall, too fat, too skinny, whatever. Right. There's a lot of guys I know who listen to this and have awful, awful self images of themselves or feel they're never going to be good enough. And they get a lot of their validation from the rejections of of women. And that's like proof in their mind of that. They're not that great. What is your message to those kind of guys right now? Uh, Cause it sounds like you've been in their shoes in some, in some capacities. Like yeah. what can you, what, how do they get over this?
1: Yeah. Like, I feel like that would be the default without a practice, right? Like mm-hmm. that tends to be the, de- we live in a world that exacerbates that, right? Like we live in a world that doesn't on both sides of the coin, masculine and feminine. Like that's the world that we live in because that state equals control and fear. And so if those are the thoughts that you have, I'm going to be, I'm going to rip the bandaid off. <laughs> if you want to be right about them, be right about them. If you want to think you're ugly, then go stand in the mirror and tell yourself, but I highly doubt that you do. So don't give it any more energy and attention than it deserves. But what I have found and through my work and men's work and, you know, stoicism study and all this other stuff is that really like anxiety and anxiety for me was unused energy. That's all it was. It was stagnant, unused energy. Right. And sometimes it expresses itself in anger. Sometimes it expresses itself in, you know, depression. But when we really, really think about it, like we get anxiety thinking about the future and we get depressed thinking about the past. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All because we're in the endless scroll of dopamine consumption, like look how great everybody else is and I'm measuring myself against a broken measuring stick or let's live in the good old days so I can advocate my sovereignty and responsibility today to do something with it and then we're just missed from what's here. And so the biggest gift that I was ever given uh, was cold therapy and only because it was the only thing that I found that could turn my mind off for a moment's notice because it's either freeze or think. Mm. That was it. Right. It was enough of a pattern interrupt. Like I've been to combat. I've had rounds with me. I've seen people blown up, but it's, I hate being cold. Like (laughs) I'm a pansy through and through. And so I do it every day, but I'll never forget the first time I was taught breath work and I jumped in an ice bath. I will never forget that moment. I hit that water. And within a second I wanted out and I got out. Like I quit in a, in like a heartbeat, but that feeling that I had, like for that moment, like time stood still, like it just stood still. And it was so powerful because it's a natural element We're made of water, but it shut my head off. Like it just shut my mind off. It shut off the monkey mind for like two minutes. And like I had so much clarity after the fact that I was like, give me more, right? Like give me more. And uh, so I just started leaning into breath work and I've struggled with meditation for years because I was like, I'm not doing it right. It doesn't look right. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, I was like, I'm not doing ice baths for whatever. They're like, no, just jump in, get out, jump in, get out. But being in the practice of it and just being practicing in the present. Right. And so the two biggest things that I've learned, um, number one is to get present. Right. And so pattern interrupts for me work. As a man that struggled with my core wound being people leave me and I'm not good enough, right, which is a very common one among men, due to our childhood or parents always telling us we're not enough or you have to do more or not giving us affection, right? Right. Normally my pattern was everything would be fine and going well, but that wasn't comfortable for me because I was comfortable in chaos and chasing so then I would throw lobs and bombs and relationships. I would push.
0: So you feel like you sabotage your own success sometimes? Daily,
1: daily. wow. Because then I would come out and have something to prove. Look, I'm gonna prove to you that I'm good enough. Look, let me break it so I can fix it.
2: Yeah, but in so many ways, it almost feels like you're falling forward. Like one of my questions that I wrote down, I I would love to know like, what would you change out of everything that you've done? Because it seems like, you know, from your first question, Jared, you know, you're saying like, like I, what you're describing is like a uh, imposter syndrome where, where, but like, would you have changed anything? Because it seems like even though you, you, um, you know, had uh, so many issues, it seems like you're very successful because of them. So it's hard for for me to be like, oh, you don't.
1: Well, for sure, for sure, except the collateral damage. Okay. Right. Because I was successful, right. Living in like narcissistic, type traits, no compassion, no empathy, because it was the George show. Right. So my kids felt unimportant, unabandoned, unacknowledged. Right. My wife felt like she didn't matter. I wouldn't talk to people. I would never connect. I couldn't understand your feelings because I was living in this repeating cycle. Right. Because something mm-hmm. would happen. And so then I would fuel it and then something would break or this is never happening again or we'll never tolerate that again. I'm Like, all right, I'll go to therapy. I'll go to 12 steps. Right. And then I would go win therapy. Right, like it was a competition. Right, like I'm gonna go check the box and do it, mm-hmm. and then it's just enough of an arc to get complacent, pull back, and then it happens again. But it changes its wrapping paper and gets more intense. And so, the same core thread for me was being in a relationship with myself. Right, and so mm-hmm. the one gift that I've been given, one one of my mentors and business partner, Stefano Safondos has been a men's teacher for like 20 years, and we talk about this all the time. Um, the only path is through, right? The buffalo have nailed it. There's a storm coming, they turn and head towards it because it's the fastest way, right? Mm-hmm. But in today's society, the moment we get triggered, what do we do? We, we pick up our phone, we look away, we distract ourselves, right? And then we'll call it addiction, but it's not, it's distraction. It's distraction from feeling, distraction from presence. And I'm not talking about like sitting Indians down on the top of a mountain doing tumo breathing, singing Kumbaya, like I don't give a shit about that. I just need to be able to feel my feeling. <clears throat> and express so, it. in So alone time for me is massive, like whether it's a minute or three minutes and then feeling my feelings. And so my favorite places are my sauna, the gym with no music or my ice bath. And really what it is, it's getting connected to what I'm feeling, the present and things like that. So,
0: so Jim, what, where did that change? I'm oh, sorry, George, my back. So George, where, where did, where did that change? Because you're still, you what, eight nine businesses going right now yeah it's i could still get that sentence go 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 for you and you're on to the next big win but like is it a different mentality now as you go yeah. about it like what yeah. and so describe the difference of the success mentalities because you were doing a lot of successful stuff but you weren't happy because like you said it was like yeah. an addiction now you are so describe to me the two different mentalities and then what made that switch into I'm the second so one. Glad.
1: i'm so glad that you asked that i'm so glad what i say there's a there's a um uh, an albino white rapper is like 65. <clears throat> His name's Brother Ali, and he has this line and he says, uh, it's like that. riding a unicycle down a tightrope, right? Like there's wow. that one line that I remember. And in my opinion, that's the razor's edge that you that you have to ride when you are an entrepreneur or you are driven, because there are times where it's really easy to fall prey to the dopamine and the addiction. And then there's times that it swings the other way. Like, I don't want to do it in self-sabotage. Right. And so the Mm -hmm. difference is, is that I was running one company back then working 18 hours a day. Now I run nine and I work four hours a day and I don't, and I stop at 5 PM and I spend five hours a day with my kids during their school day before I put them to bed. Right. Like, I
0: that to me is the dream of being able to have all these businesses and not letting consume every waking moment that God bless you. That's amazing.
1: And I'm going to tell you right now, it's like, I have to chain myself, right? Because I still feel the pull every day, right? Okay. Like I feel the pull to the addiction. Like I feel it. Like, I know I have 86 emails in that company waiting for me right now. I'm like, no, but it's not Tuesday. I only do that company's emails on
0: Tuesday. Well, do, have you, do you like outsource it and just put in systems that take you away from it? Or is it just a mental, like, look. I could do more, but I'm not because I value this. It's more
1: of that. It's more of the, it's more of the disciplined containers of like knowing that, like, I only have so many levers that I can pull and there's going to be a diminishing return somewhere. There's always a trade-off, right? And so I could pull seven more levers, but at what expense missing my three-year-old decorating Halloween for a moment, I'm never going to have back again right? And it's like, okay, cool. Or that lever could wait, or I could outsource that lever, right? Like you can either do defer or delegate.
0: This is the whole, what you're talking about is like the Holy grail. And anyone who's listening as an entrepreneur knows exactly what you mean and and talking about, this is the Holy grail of entrepreneurs. Cause you know, you, you hear, and this goes a little bit away from the dating, but I love this shit. I'm an entrepreneur, so I'm really into <laughs> yeah. it. But um, like you always hear this idea that, you know, the, the Gary V talks and the, you got to grind and you got to put out 60 pieces of content every day. Uh, you know, the, the true number. entrepreneur is a guy who's either up at 5 a.m. or waking up at 5 a.m. Right. Like when you're starting out, it's, it's all grind, grind, grind. Why are you not working? Why are you not doing stuff? Uh, is that a necessary phase guy? you think men have to go through starting off at least? No, or- I
1: think it's a phase that's taught because it pulls people into action, right? You have to look right. at the audience that's consuming that, right? It's, I want to be an entrepreneur. Well, when you're used to being told what to do every day, you got to swing the pendulum all the other way, but it gets unhealthy at like a serious point. Right. And so when we really think about it, like I talk about iterating a lot. Right. And I, I use this example all the time with entrepreneurs or men or people, right? Like someone might not be happy with their body right now, or they might not be happy with their relationship. Right. And so we'll sit here and consume as much as required and to try to find the evidence. And we'll spend a month, two months, three months consuming and do nothing. and We're just as fucking fat or just as unhappy because we've done nothing. Right. And I use an iPhone. I'm like, all right, I'm going to give you a brand new iPhone. And you're like, cool. I'm like, great. Do you want the one that came out yesterday or the first one? Mm -hmm. Nobody would take the first one, but this one wouldn't exist if they didn't make the first one. Right. And that's where iterations are key. It's not about like having all the answers or doing it all. It's about having awareness and taking an action. Right. And so when I think about this as an entrepreneur, like I couldn't go from working 18 hours a day to six overnight. So I had to start delegating. I had to get rid of things and it was piece by piece. And when I stopped working out and gained a hundred pounds back, right. Cause I went the other way. I couldn't lose it overnight. I don't care. And I, I do really believe that you somehow gain it three times faster than you lose it. That's a belief that I have. Cause that's what it looks like most of the time, but I know it's not true, but, um, That's what I would think about. But then I realized like, it's not about like, do I have the perfect plan? It's like, did I go walk for 10 minutes today? Yeah, cool. Tomorrow. Cool. And then, you know, 90 days from now, I'm living in a drastically different world than if I sit here and just wait and wait and wait. And so we do have to make hard decisions. We have to hold tight containers. We have to reclaim our sovereignty and whatever that means for us. Right. And we have to be crystal clear on where we want to go. And it's okay to be like, I don't know where I want to be. I don't know what business I want, or I don't know what fitness goal I want, or I don't know what relationship I want, but I'm in pursuit of it. And then we still take action in those moments. Right. But it's when we think about it, right. When we get clarity, like all we're doing is creating a finish line. And then when we get awareness, we're putting the starting point in the map. And then we're like, cool, what's one step. And that's where intentionality and discipline come in. And so apply to entrepreneurship, apply to the relationships, right? Like, you know, the big turning point for me is my wife left full mm. disclosure. Like my wife was eight months pregnant. I was three weeks away from bankruptcy with my first child. I had a 11 year old bonus daughter who I love to pieces. And I was more concerned about being right than I was about being in a family. Mm. And I lost all of it, all of it. And I mean, all of it. And I can't even tell you what's that's like to be losing 60 grand a month with a woman who's pregnant, who you've promised the world to that's carrying your child. And I'm like, If my son pops out, am I going to be proud of what he sees? And it didn't happen overnight. The first year of his life, my wife said, I was not here. I'm going to get emotional. She felt like she raised him alone. She said, the only day I was present was the day he was born for two years. That was it. And I was doing breath work and jungle trips and solo retreats and meditations. But I was like, I'm not quitting. No matter what, I'm not quitting. But it wasn't chasing accolades. It was chasing myself, right? Like, who am I? Who am I choosing to be? Like, how am I going to heal this? How can I do something differently about this? And it just happened to be an extreme level because I never did work on myself. I hid the trauma with, you know, success or work or, you know, fitness or whatever. And so, you know, taking a phone away from me and sitting me down in silence for a minute felt like Chinese water torture for 365 days. Like that's, I, I cause like I would get antsy. I, I, I would stop breathing. I would not know what to do. And so that was the work for me. And then over time, now I'm sitting here and actually reflecting in this moment. It's kind of shocking because that was only three and a half years ago. Oh, wow! So and in that time, it, a lot's happened, but a lot of it being internal.
0: So I mean, I, you know, I'm not not to compare, but like I've been suffering with not suffering, but like dealing with my own ADHD my entire life. So I, I know exactly what you mean about. Being antsy and needing something to do and going whatever, and I'm sure there's a lot of other guys who you know go through that idea of one, not knowing who they are, not knowing themselves, what is their purpose, being in alignment, whatever. And number two is, you know, how do you start truly loving yourself and finding yourself and being okay with who you are? Yeah. Uh, you've done a lot of different stuff, like you said, you went to the jungles, you did breath work, you did meditation, you did everything under the sun what did you, I mean, maybe you already answered it with the, with the cold, you know, the ice baths, but like what really, when it's all said and done, helps you cut through the rest and find yourself, you know, Authent- all the stuff you did.
1: Authentic alone time, authentic yeah. alone time. And I mean,
0: what makes it authentic?
1: Um, fully expressing whatever you need to express in that moment. Like if you're angry, beat the shit out of a pillow. If you're sad, cry. If you're happy, laugh. Like, whatever it is, like, full expression is authenticity for me, right? So right. we think about the moments in our life, right? Like, if you're listening to this, think about it. You're like, oh, yeah, I do that. I'm like, cool. When was the last time you drove in the car in silence? Phone in the glove box, no radio, just looking at the world. Most people can't. Listening to something, something's on. So when was the last time you sat on the couch without a TV, without music, and just looked outside? Or looked at the wall? Or your foot or your hand, Right? when was the last time you went walking with no water bottle in hand, no phone in hand, no music in hand and nobody there, mm-hmm. right? There's these moments where we live in this world where we're convinced that we just have to do, 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 like welcome to the industrial revolution affecting human nature. Cause that's where all of that came from. Right. And so we have to create these pockets of alone time so we can get connected to who we are and what we're feeling. Right. But it's so easy in today's age. Like I feel something, my check engine lights on, but let's pretend it's not there. <laughs> let's go to the bar. Let's go to the drink. Let's go to the dopamine. Right. And by the way, like I do not have any right to stand on the soapbox. I work on this all day, every day. And if I graded myself from 0% to a hundred and hundred being there, I'm at like 1.3. Mm. Like that's where I would grade myself. And it's exciting as shit to me because if I, if I, if I feel this good at 1.3, I'm excited where the 97, you know, I suck at 98.7 is going. Um, but it's a, that alone time. And, and I still struggle sometimes, but I don't sit here and like sit Indian style. I'm like, God, I just, I'm feeling something. I will literally stop what I'm doing. I will go outside and go for a five minute walk, like just in silence. And I I'd say nine out of 10 times, the feeling is gone. And I don't remember what it was, right? Like I just needed to move. I needed to think, or I'm out there and I get cleared. I'm like, Oh my God, that's what it was. Or this is where it is. And so I feel like for me, I never gave myself enough time or space to figure out who I was or who I wanted to be.
0: Is, I was is there too busy a wall though i 'cause it. I'm I'm picturing myself just staring at a wall or or just going for a walk or like the driving test and I could see myself like I need to do something, like mind search racing, like I got I gotta get back to work, something needs me. I, I wanna check the yeah. phone, right? So is, is there yeah. a wall you have to get through before you get that clarity?
1: Yeah. So I described this to somebody, right? Cause I'm like, I'm like the worst one. I'm not like a meditation guru teacher. I'm just the prac app guy covered in tattoos. that I was like, I'm going to break through a wall if I don't do this. Right. And mm-hmm. so for me, how I describe it is like, let's say we're, you know, uh, you want to jump in a pool, right? But it's fully your kid's toys. There's pool noodles everywhere, but you want to dive. You can't yet before you dive in, you have to move the noodles out of the way, the kids, the toys, the everything to create an opening in the water. Right. And the mm-hmm. water is where you're going. Right. That's how I saw it for myself. And the longer like I resisted it, the more it was, right? But I have those thoughts too. And I'm like, oh, I can't forget this. I can't forget this. I can't forget this, right? Mm -hmm. Which keeps you stuck in it, right? But like feelings and thoughts are things that you catch, but you don't have to hold on to them forever. You can let them go, right? Mm -hmm. Like it comes in, it's our job to figure out is like that one that we want to keep or is that one we want to let go? Like you can drop it out of the glove, but they're all in like this moment to moment to moment to moment notice, right? And so you have to honor the container, and so like, there's times I go on walks and I don't remember the hour that I walked. There's times I go on walks and for the hour, I feel like I remember every step and had like 8 million and 64 thoughts that I wish I could remember. And it's just being in the practice of it. It's just really being in the practice of it. And you just have to set yourself up to win, right? Like it's no different than if you're laying in bed and you can't turn your mind off. Maybe in the beginning, you just put a notepad next to your bed and you write the thought down so you have the space to th- sleep, right? You're purging it, you're processing it out. And like, I don't sit here and stare at a wall, right? Like we have pet snakes. I stare with them. I, you know, go for a quick walk. Like I'll lay at my, you know, ceiling. I'll go stare at the clouds. I'll go sit in my sauna. Like it's just wherever you can find some sort of solace. Hiking is an awesome one for me, um, just in nature and things like that. But what I remember about myself is that all of those thoughts and those racings and those things, they were information, but I was even making those wrong right. I'm like, Oh, I just can't do this. I can't stop thinking. I can't stop thinking instead of being like, wow, I'm thinking a lot and just letting it be. And like being in that thought process, whatever it was. And I, and I found like my best business decisions, my biggest successes in life have come on the other side of those things, but I've had to give myself the space to get there.
2: I have a question. Um, obviously all acts start with thoughts. Yes. And if you are like, you know, that's one thing I learned when it comes to meditation is just because you have a thought you can let it go. Right. It's kind of like you're watching your own stage and the actors are coming on and off, you know, what thoughts do you act on? Like, what are the thoughts where you're like, this is the, this is what I'm going to act
1: on today. Yeah. Yeah. So I call it my MHB, my mind, heart, and body. Right. So like mind, belly, and gut. Right. So, uh, and so, or mind, heart, belly, whatever one you want to call it. Right. So if I get a thought once, I don't act on it at all. Right. So here's what I found i found that if something I'm supposed to act on, I have it more than once over more than, you know, one day of time. Right. Like I'm not getting distracted. I'm like, oh, there's a, there's a rainbow over there. I'm going to find the pot of gold. I'm like, God, I've seen that rainbow every day for like three weeks. And I can't stop thinking about that rainbow. And I was like, okay, I need to really go explore this rainbow. Right. It's kind of like how I think about it. So, you know, when I sit there, like I think about it, like this morning, right. I meditated for an hour at 3:30 Cause I woke up and I was like, all right, let's go. And I probably thought about 85 things. And the only thing I remember was decorating Halloween stuff with my son at the end of the day. That was it. That's Mm -hmm. all I remember is what I wanted to do. So that's all I wrote down and I changed my schedule so I can be done earlier. So when he gets home, that's what we can do. And so I found that the things that stick are the ones that I act on. And so if I'm, if I'm, feeling it like if I think about it and I'm like okay like I'm thinking about it but like my heart's not in it or it doesn't feel it in my belly or I'm not feeling pulled to it I'm like oh okay let it go but there's those ones that like come in and stick we're like I'm like I'm gonna launch a podcast and like I talked about it for nine years before I did it right but like that thing was there 18 different ways from Sunday every day that I woke up my team my wife my kids my everything And I was like, okay, I finally had to do it. But then I've had thoughts of like, oh, we need to launch this product. We need to launch this product. And if I hear it once, I let it go. If I hear it a couple times, I'll write it down. I put it in what I call a parking lot. I just have a Google doc. It's (laughs) called the parking lot. It's anything that I'm not going to act on, but I'm like, I might want to look at it later. And I throw it in the parking lot. And it's funny because I look at that thing now and I delete half of it. I'm like, I can't believe I wasted time on this. Like, what? I was going to do that? Are you kidding me? And so I, I typically feel pretty pulled to it, Jamie. Um, and then I make sure that if it is something that I feel like I need to act on, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, am I excited about this? Does it make my heart happy? Is it aligned with my vision? Like, does my gut feel good about it? And if those things are, you know, in alignment, then I'll check. I'll, I'll, I'll run it through. I'll, I'll give it like a, you know, a, a variable test. I'll, I'll give it a pressure test. I'll run it by my wife, you know, my kids. Yeah. And then normally that's the inclination, right? Because they're always right.
2: And these things that you're acting on, you know, I, I just, I think the biggest challenge of what you're saying for me is you, you're only working four to five hours
1: yeah. on these things
2: <laughs> always. And yeah. I'm kind of just like, how? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, you know, when it comes to those things, so, okay, you're, you're parking lot, right? You're yeah. like, okay. This is what I want to, I want to focus on. I want to act on this. You're yeah. still only working four or five hours when you start.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because I have it. I'm only allowed to look at the parking lot once a week, right? So Walt Disney did this the best. The way that Disney iterated ideas was absolutely mind-blowing, right? Um, So they had three rooms in the office. They had a thinking room, a doing room, and a critic room. And whenever you were in one of the rooms, you couldn't do any of the other things. So like thinking room, Jamie, you're like, I want to build a 100-person company doing $350 million a year. I'm like, cool. What would it look like? And like, we literally like design it in descriptive detail of like, I would have rainbows and unicorns on my entrance, right? Like I would have a half-calf oat milk latte waiting on my desk at 104 degrees every morning at 7:13 a.m. Like with specificity, like whatever that crazy thing is that you want and you blow through all of it and then you leave for a day or two. And then mm-hmm. when you come back, you go into the doing room and you're like, cool, that's the vision. How would we do it? And you literally sit there and you're like, well, we would need to do this today, this tomorrow, this next month. And you spend that whole time figuring out every single way in which you would do it and then you leave and then you go into the critic room and then in the critic room you have to find every hole well do we have the resources what would it look like how are you going to do that is that sustainable and then those the results of those are your ingredients to act on and then you take those things and you build in where you want to do it and so like for me I oversee eight companies, right? And at the top is my podcast, my consulting, my mastermind, and my courses, right? My team is one full-time employee and one VA. That's it. I am only allowed to create content. That is the only thing I'm allowed to do. I'm allowed to record podcasts, make videos, write emails. I am not allowed to do anything else. So the moment it it hit end or the recording is ending, I'm out. I'm only allowed to create more content or ID, like create an idea, right. Or play a part of the vision. Once I'm done systems and processes are tasks, which by the way, is just a VA and, you know, knowing what needs to be done takes it and does everything else. And then they see how it goes. They spit back, Hey, you need to do a podcast on this and that protects my time. And then I have one team that we built as an agency that oversees all of the other companies. They do all of the day to day. And so we have a one meeting a week on all eight companies. And then, each company has a co-founder that works a couple hours a day on them. And so then I spend my time creating content and then they disseminate it out. And then we have one meeting a week on that company or that with those companies or that one person who delegates it all down. Is it hard? Yeah. Because I want to be in the weeds. I have these stories that like, it's not going to work. Cause I'm not in it. They need me in that meeting. Like my ego is spread throughout all of it. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm like, how are they doing that without me? But I'm the marketing guy. I'm the one who did it. It's my vision. Right. Yeah. I'm not successful when I think that way, (laughs) the Mm. faster I move out of the way, the faster success comes. Same thing in my relationship, right? Like I've learned that 9.997% of the time, my wife's feedback is the most accurate thing in the world. And if I'm stuck on it in any way, I need to do it immediately. Right. I give it the, (laughs) I get, I give it the purple dinosaur test, right? Somebody's like, Hey man, like, you know, you're really inefficient. I'm like, no, I'm not. And I get defensive, some part of it landed. If they're like, hey, man, you're a purple dinosaur. I'm like, huh? And I have no reaction. Of course, it's not true, right? And so that kind of is my gauge on, on how I do things. So Jamie, the thing is that the, the, there's a really good book. If you're analytical, there's a good book by Mike It's called Clockwork. And mm-hmm. it breaks down where you should be spending your time based on what your goals are. If you're not analytical and you're more like vision energy, then my buddy Bo Eason wrote a book called There's No Plan B for Your A Game similar concepts, but delivered differently. So if your analytical percentages, like I tell me what to do, do, do read clockwork. If you're feeling based and you're like, this is my vision. I'm, you know, want to be the only kid in my school to ever make to the NFL. I want to, you know, get a, a rocket on Mars, go read. There's no plan B for my a game
2: mm-hmm. or listen Good suggestions.
1: Yeah. Oh, I give you books. All, I'll give you books all days.
0: <laughs> so George, so, days. You, so here's an entrepreneurial type question just to, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm generally curious about this for myself. Why make eight different companies? Why not say one company and just try to put all energy and effort and expand that to its fullest? Why spread, spread things question. around?
1: Yeah. So I didn't find, I didn't found any of the seven companies that I own a part of. They all came to me mm. and they were attracted through the one company I built.
0: Got you. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Cause so I, I hear that debate it, a lot from different yeah, entrepreneurs. So,
1: yeah. So like the thing is, is like, I was like, what do I want to do? And so I learned a lot. And when I got to go behind the scenes and be a consultant, <laughs> I built two unicorns and I've helped like over 300 companies up into seven, eight, nine figures. Right. And when I looked at the core of what I was doing, I was teaching them how to love their customers better. Like I have seven marketing laws. Like number one is the most important one. Everybody feels valuable, whether they give you their credit card or not. Right. And so ninety three percent of marketing is word of mouth and the average consumer gives eight to ten brand recommendations or non recommendations in a sixty second conversation without realizing it. But yet most marketing convinces you to transact more and try to have as many one night stands as possible, right? How many of those ladies are talking positively about you when you're done? Man. No that will put you out of business. But if you add some heart into what you do, and maybe, you know, ask her name, take her to dinner, you know, kiss her on the cheek instead of going for the clothes, you have a very high probability of that person or that woman talking highly of you, creating something that lasts that's based on consistent touch points, right? And so I learned that that's what I was doing with customer journeys and businesses, right? And in the interim, we were doubling and tripling companies in a matter of weeks, because all they were focused on was the clothes, right? They're like, how do I get more, more, more? And I was like, You have to realize of every hundred people that find you in that touch point, only two convert, which means these other 98 people are getting ghosted. And I was like, so how do we be in a relationship with them? And I started to put laws and principles and systems around it. And I would go into a company that was doing $50,000 a week. And within eight days, we were doing 150, all Mm -hmm. because we started talking to the people that wanted to be talked to. So I made systems and processes and I, I trademarked relationships, beat algorithms in this. Right. And so that's what the company that I built, I built this in consulting, my podcasts and courses, and then people started consuming my content. And they're like, God, I want to do that. I want to do that. They'd come in, I'd help them. I wouldn't charge them. Literally wouldn't charge. I'm like, no, I want to help. I want to help. I'm like, pay me down the road, pay me down the road. I'm like, give it to charity, give it to charity. Uh Right. And then literally, literally within a year, seven companies like, Hey, can we make you a 25% owner? Can we make you a 30% owner? And like, I even made rules. Like my high-speed daddy is probably like my baby. We make tactical diaper bags for moms and dads, but our mission statement is we help men provide, protect, and connect. And it doesn't matter if you're a dad, right? It's a gym bag, a hiking bag, an overnight bag. But everything I talk about is like finding yourself, you know, providing, standing for yourself, filling your tank. Like we have a mission in this world to provide, protect, and connect for those around us. And so that's like the mission of our company. And so we're all veteran-based. And Craig and he's like, I want you and I want you in. And I made five rules. I'm like, you have to buy your wife a bigger house, buy her a new car. Our employees have to be full time, we have to be self funding inventory, then I'll take distributions. It took two and a half years before I got paid. Mm-hmm. Two and a half years before I got paid. And, and but by the way, like, I like those quarterly checks. Now, it was worth every single penny for me to wait that right. And so it became a magnet because it was aligned mm-hmm. with what I was doing. Like, this is what I believe in and what I was doing. So The work is easy. We don't have a business partnership where it's like, I need to talk to you nine hours a day because I'm in a codependent relationship. It's like we won't text for two weeks then we'll talk every day for a week and then we'll go on vacation. You know, we'll get on Zoom and cry together. We'll get pissed at our competitor. We'll get happy about a launch and then we just modulate like a relationship. And so I only I only transparently fully launched one company. And then all the rest of them um, came to me through like my teachings or through consulting. And so that's kind of where it came from. And so I still focus on doing what I do, but I found companies where I get to do more of what I do with new practice arenas, basically. Right. So I was doing it for myself and teaching entrepreneurs like you. But then I was like, oh, now I have a a bag company. I can try all this in the bag company. I'm still doing my core role or what Mike Michalowicz would call my my queen BR, my, my QBR, my queen B role. Um, I'm still doing it. I'm just applying it in a different arena. And so I don't feel like I actually work more. I feel like I work less because now I'm multiplying my output because it's all congruent, right? And so I'm still doing what I do, except now when I record a podcast and I give it to you, all my team members listen to it too. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not having to be in a meeting. And when I come up with a new email strategy, I tell you two it people for all the emails. and seven companies get it applied to it. Right. And I get seven direct pieces of feedback on if so it worked or not.
0: It's basically, you know, what works, works across the board. So you find it for one you just apply it to all of them and you just keep like, let's just keep using this winning strategy over and over again. And what I really love about it is the winning strategies that the main reason why people are finding you is because of the fundamental message of care about your customers, care about the people, yeah. listen to them, understand. You know, there's a book I read that said, stop trying to persuade them and start trying to understand them.
1: I say, Um, I say, stop convincing and start enrolling, right? Yeah. Like it's it's the difference, right? Like this the same thing. It's like if I walk up to him, like, yeah, man, and I start telling you how you are, you're immediately Mm -hmm. defensive and you're non receptive because I don't know who you are, right? But if I ask you a question and you self-identify, we're in forever, right? Because you're bringing yourself in. And when you think about marketing, the fitness industry is the easiest example. By the way, this is no different. Marketing, by the way, if you really break it down and change the word, it's just a two-way value-based long-term relationship. So everything you teach would make you an amazing marketer, as long as you realize that that's all that you're doing, is you're courting people, you're communicating, you're active listening, and then you're basically mirroring, using NLP, maybe a little bit of hypnosis, depending on you know where you play on that game, Um and then you're delivering a result. Right. But the truth is, is like no one's going to go today and club a woman over the head, grab her and be like, come to dinner with me. Good luck. Right. You're going to come into prison and then you're you're outed. Right. And uh, you have to enroll people. So you have to talk to them. You have to understand them. And then you have to communicate their language. You have to create an invitation. And that's what marketing is. Right. And so when you think about it, it's the same difference of like. And I love the analogies. I use dating as my biggest analogy when I teach marketing. It's,
0: it's, it's of like game, like enrolling. That's all it is. Like it's still, it's the that, same that's thing. That's all it
1: is. And then the, the biggest part about game is you also have to know if like, if you're a professional, like if you're Tom Brady, don't go get on a basketball court. Mm-hmm. You're going to lose, right? I use your strengths. Like part of the game is knowing what field to play on, right? That's mm-hmm. knowing who your customers are. Right. Like that's all that is, right? And then when you play the game, you have to survey the field. Well, that's understanding your avatar, and then once you survey the field, you have to get their attention. Well, that's you now knowing who they are, what they might be interested in, shining your light, and being like, "I might have some candy for you," but not in the creepy van type of way. Like, I really want to help you, right? So and then when you,
0: yeah, let, let's let's deep dive into enrolling because I could see this going for entrepreneurship. I see this going for getting better with women and people going out there and approaching. How does one get better at enrolling and getting your, your marketing message out for the entrepreneurs, which to me is the same thing as getting your message out as a guy to get the girl to see you for the amazing person that you are, AKA like the product.
1: Yeah. My favorite is from a Hamilton quote, um, smile more, talk less, right? Mm -hmm. Talk less, smile more. That's number one. (laughs) Shut up. Like shut up. (laughs) Like the best. And I mean this in like the most loving way you know, so Aaron, Burr right. <laughs> Aaron Burr was right, Aaron Burr nailed yeah. it, right? Nailed no, it. it. Um, but if you're talking, you're losing,
0: mm.
1: that's it. Cause if you're talking, it's about you. And if it's about you, it's not about them. And if it's not about them, they have no reason to stay. Right. And so the whole point here is like Jack and Joe, like, I- I'm like, I have three colors in my crayon box. So I go to like childhood nursery rhymes. I read my kid, right? Like our job is to breadcrumb people, right? Into something that they might want, something they believe or a feeling or a state, right? And so congruency and consistency is massive. So in dating, in selling, in marketing, you have to know who you are and believe that's who you are, right? Mm -hmm. Because game is not pretending to be somebody because you're going to lose that game because eventually somebody's going to find out or you're going to slip, right? Just like telling the truth is always easier than lying, right? So Mm -hmm. you have to know who you are and believe that's who you are or be aware that you know who you are and be aware that you don't believe it and be authentic about that. (laughs) Either way, it's about awareness and authenticity, right? And so then once you know that, your job is to let the world know that this exists, right? So when we think about marketing, it's like, hey, this is who I am. And this is, I believe this, this that's how I'm gonna help people. I need to start telling people, right? And so like, what's one thing I could do to get their attention, to help them, right? And of course, if I'm like, someone's like, I wanna launch a business, I'm like, all right, cool. In this three-minute Facebook video, I'm going to teach you how to launch a business, get an LLC, get attorneys, articles of incorporation, come up with a marketing plan, plan us- No. I'm going to be like, hey, you ever thought about launching a business, right? All I'm doing is like checking for attention. That's it. I'm shining my light of my lighthouse out. That's the analogy I use in business, right? I turn the light on and that light consistently goes with that same message. And when it catches somebody like, ah, I might want that, they'll start looking and coming closer, right? And so- you know whether it's an not spit game in a lot probably ever quite frankly um but like i imagine like when you're out somewhere and then like somebody catches your eye you exchange a couple glances and a nod like somebody caught your light and now your job is like are they going to move closer to you or are you going to shine it brighter like what's the next step but all of it is like being consistent congruent right and so then once you tell the world you exist what happens and i teach this in marketing it's probably the same for dating Sure. There's this customer journey that happens, right? And it's five parts. It's conscious and subconscious. The conscious part is identify, discover, court, enroll, and nurture, right? So I'll use a car example. Identifies, you're like, I need a new car. Discovers like, what brand do I want? Court is like, ah, oh, it's one of these two. Let me go test drive it. Enroll mm-hmm. is like, oh, I picked that car and bought it. And uh, fulfillment or nurture is teaching you how to drive it, right? But underneath it, there's permission, safety, and accountability, right? And so underneath identify and discover is permission. And what does that mean? Commercials, marketing, advertising, all they're doing is writing you a permission slipper, inviting you in to do something different, right? Once you're like, I want to do something different, like I'm enrolled, then you get into evidence collection. And that's evidence to feel safe. And so underneath courting is safety, right? And that's what dating, I mean, that's what, you know, flirting is, right? Like asking questions, repeating them back. That's what sales is, asking questions, repeating them back. What you're telling them is that you see them, you hear them, and you respect them. And once you've given them enough evidence that they feel safe, you have them and they'll tell you. They'll commit, they'll lean in, they'll enroll, right? Like you can read body language, you can use NLP, you can speak AIM, or in you're in sales, they'll be like, okay, what's the next step? Not you being like, so when am I gonna take your credit card? And then that's where they move into that accountability phase. Because then what happens is when that happens in sales or in marketing, what they don't tell us is, hey, you got me, you enrolled me, you gave me permission and I feel safe. What I'm not gonna tell you is that I expect you to hold me accountable to deliver those results, right? Right. Same thing in in you know in dating. Like if you said it, you better remember it because that expectation that you deliver on it is there, right? Right? And so then that's where they start the process again, and they get deeper and deeper and deeper. And so that could be just listening to a podcast. Somebody's going to hear this podcast from my audience or yours, not subscribe to either podcasting, but this dude's a wackadoodle, but like, cool. But then they might go listen to another one of yours and be like, "God, I like what they're putting down," and they're collecting evidence. Like I might subscribe, and then the journey starts again. And then they might realize you have an Instagram and they might go, you know, scroll the field and check it. You're like, ah, this isn't, you know, I love that story. I'll follow. And it starts again. And so it's happening cyclically over and over and over again. So I'd say knowing who you are and owning it. And then once that hits out into the world, being consistent and congruent, and then learning or serving the person that you're talking to is one of my marketing laws, right? But that's really active listening, you know, repeating back, whether it's body language, communications, and what you're really doing is you're helping them step into their vision. You're enrolling them versus convincing them, as we talked about, you know, a minute ago. I
2: have a question. Um, Please. Uh, during that cycle, it's really interesting. Uh, what part of the cycle do you think people most struggle with? And how do they get out of it? How do they get out of that habit?
1: Yeah. So on um, which side? So I,
2: I, on the on the enrolling side, I guess, like on the yeah. actually like signing people up or like sales or whatnot. Yeah. So right? the biggest,
1: the biggest. <laughs> And I imagine it's probably the same in dating. Um, The biggest part people have problems with on both sides is holding their container, right? So like, um, say like, I'll use dating, right? Like I'm only interested in blonde women with blue eyes, right? Or brunettes with brown eyes, Mm -hmm. then don't talk to anybody else, right? And so in business, like I only want to help these people, but the fear is, but I really want all of them because I'm insecure that I can really help these people. And so in that discovery phase, in order for somebody to know that they want our car, we have to know who wants our car, right? Like, what is it about our car? What is it that they do it right? Like BMW, like we're a BMW family, right? They know who we are. Bentley knows who we are. That's why they don't run commercials. They don't have to, right? When you think about these things, right? And so in enrolling and selling, you have to know who you're talking to and you have to consistently talk to those people. Right. Talking to the feelings that before states where they're struggling. Right. And the Mm -hmm. moment you don't, you lose those people and the people that you're talking to because you're inconsistent and incongruent. So they can't feel safe. And so that part's where most people struggle the most in the beginning. But then once you're in process, it's the courting period because they want it now. They want the, I call it high-end prostitution, right? I was like, that's what you're doing. They want it right now. And I was like, great. When did any of that ever lead to a relationship? Like she might be giving you the GFE, but she ain't interested, homie, right? Right. Like you're paying her bills or vice versa, the other way too. Um, And so that part is where you need to remain consistent, right? Because humans have to modulate, they have to emote, they have to be enrolled. And the gift of that is, is actually the longer you can make it wait, the more likely they are to stay forever. Because they have so much endowment based on what's there. And so that courting phase means that you have to understand that even with the two of you, um, by the way, I love this conversation. This is awesome. Thank you.
0: Um, yeah, Thank no, for being
1: there. <laughs> I'm like, well, we'll just go all day. Uh, the coffee hit, right? My half yeah. calf got, they, it hit my bones. Um, but when I think about you two, you and I have both, um, both of us have emoted differently in this conversation. Right, and then now Jamie's asking a lot more questions. There's some touch points. She feels open and safe, and things are happening. And so now she's going, and Jared's like, "I'm awake now, but I'm just chilling." Right, Mm -hmm. and like it's an experience. But for me to come on and expect both of you to know me, know what questions to ask, to like me, to trust me in the first two minutes is unrealistic. It's just not going to happen.
0: Relationships are always forming or breaking, and it's it's basically so. And I can go on on something too. Like I, I'm actually, I, I love this shit. Like anything to do with relationships or becoming successful, like instantly piques my interest when you're creating relationships, there's two camps and this, and I'm curious what camp, uh, you're kind of part of there's, and this goes with dating. This goes with entrepreneurship. The one camp is look, just like I said, know who you are and just go for what attracts that. Right. So it's like, I'm going to, I am a, I don't know what, what's what to put it. Uh, you're putting, you're putting on whatever, like whatever suit, and like I'm going for yeah. this type of person because I'm this type of person. A attracts A, right? Yep. And yep. I'm an A. Yep. Or the other side of it is there's A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And it's like, all right, when I'm interacting with a B, I'm gonna put on my B side. If I'm drive with a C, I'm gonna put on my C side, but then real but also realizing I don't have a D, E or F side. So that I just don't deal with. Mm-hmm. So do you believe in the idea of like, chameleonizing yourself to fit what's going on, or it's just very like, for example, like if you want to get a certain girl, only go for the party girls. Cause you're a party guy and that's all you should be focusing on go for, or should it be like, well, sometimes I'm a party guy. Sometimes I'm more of the intellectual. Sometimes I want to do more spiritual stuff. So I'm going for a spiritual girl. Like there's different hats that you can put on.
1: Yeah. I think all of that, I don't agree with any of it because it's, who am I being? Mm-hmm. Or changing myself to be to attract somebody that's sacrificing who I really am. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's going against that's
2: authenticity, me. which is what you. Mm-hmm. Not
1: so neither right. of them, right? right. Mm-hmm. Because either way you lose, because you're literally seeding a codependent relationship from the first touch point. That I am this because you are this, or that I am being this because you are being this, which means I am living in the belief that this relationship is fifty-fifty when it's actually a hundred-a hundred. And I have to bring my 100% authentic self to the table and you have to bring your 100% authentic self to the table. Now we're going to have interests, but deeper foundationally, like who is it that we are, right? And that's that's what it is. I think interests are amazing, right? But, you know, the fact is I also think it's limited thinking. Like it's like if I only want to work with okay. like – like here's, here's – dead on conversation, I had never been a consultant before. My first client was men's health. Like talk about throwing a nuclear bomb in my paradigm. I've been working with like info marketers and then all of a sudden Rodale hires me men's health, women's health. Right. And I was like, what? I went through some crazy stuff. Cause that wasn't even in my realm of possibility. They were in the room when I gave a keynote to entrepreneurs on loving your customers. And I would have never seen them on the radar. And so they come up and like, can you help? I'm like, hell yeah, I can. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I have no idea. I'm going to help them. Blah, 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 <laughs> blah. But it was foundationally based. Right. Then that led to me working with MBA teams at the same time I work with an entrepreneur that's never made a dollar online. And so I think it limits you as well. And so I think for me, it's if you are authentically interested in partying, then go party, right? Knowing that that's a phase or whatever you're going through. If you're authentically interested in spirituality, then go that way. And then you look for the deep commonalities that are, are based in respecting who you are and then them respecting who they are. And then you guys being like, can we coexist? Not mm-hmm. like, do you complete me, right? Learned that lesson the hard way. Um <laughs> Right. But not advocating either of those and then coming in fully wholehearted, like business relationships, business partnerships, romantic relationships, even friendships. Right. Because I don't care who you are, how good you do, no matter what relationship you get in, there's going to be things that nag the shit out of you. No matter what, yep. no matter what. Right. And so what it is, it's like, can I be here in grace? Can I be confident and self-aware and loving enough that like those things are going to happen and they don't affect
0: me? And then also I think, I think understanding that to a point also, because it's just very unrealistic to, to say, I'm going to find someone who's 100% me or compatible with me, everything I want. And, I, I, and I'm hoping, I don't think that's what you're saying. I think it's just mm-hmm, realizing mm. I'm going to put out my mess with my stuff. Some of it you might like, some of it you might not. But ideally, we're finding more in the like column. And if yeah. you don't like some things, I'm not trying to defend those things. I'm trying to understand yeah. why you don't like them. Because I, I've always looked at any relationships, my, my core tenant, I, I know I've brought this up in a previous podcast, but I'm going to share with you as well, Please is <clears throat> for any relationship with a guy and girl, and this might work with customers. And not, I, I haven't thought of it that way, but <laughs> uh, I've always done it with relationships with women is when a relationship is going good and things are on the things, things are well and peachy and wonderful. The ultimate goal. And this phase is you should be trying to appreciate your woman as much as possible and trying to be appreciated in return. Mm-hmm. and so I think I feel like I'm not, when things are going well in a relationship appreciation is the most number one key thing possible to keep things going well uh, to the point where I was dating a girl and while things are going well mind you and that's just when we're on a fight or things are on the rise when things are going well I go honey what are three things that you that if I did you would appreciate me more mm-hmm. what would be three things that would you would really appreciate being like I don't know what the answer is going to be but I'm, she might lay it into me and it was like to me it was like absurd things it was like well, I wish you would clean up the bathroom more when you left it. And it was like, I wish you would like fold the laundry a certain way. I forgot about the third one, but I'm like, I could do that. Like, yeah. that's nothing. That's the, And so I did it for like a week. I was like, I'm going to do these three things. I am so dedicated to being appreciated more because I know that's the number one thing. And at the end of the week, it was like, she was, lo- it was like so much more love, so much uh, better times. And I'm like, this was so stupid and simple. Like, of course I could have done this. So, to me, appreciation was like, when things are going well and also make sure that you feel appreciation for her and yeah. and give her things and let her know, like I would really appreciate this and make sure no one's being felt for, taken for granted. And then when things are going bad and things are like rocky for my, and this was hard for me because I was a guy who always likes to be right. I was a guy like, you know, big ego. I think I'm, you know, smartest guy in the room and all that shit. And I had to like remove that (laughs) and just go. And, and ultimately, I I don't know if I came up with this quote or if I read it somewhere, I I truly, because if I read it somewhere, I want to give credit where it's due, but it was like, if I'm in a relationship with a girl to be right means I need to make her wrong. And why would I want to do that to her? The idea of being right forces the person I love and the person I care about to be wrong. So instead of this right, wrong idea, what if it just goes no right or wrong. Let me just understand and be understood.
1: Well, and, what's and that the, became the goal. What's the measuring stick for right and wrong? It's subjectivity.
0: Well, I mean, in my mind, it was she has to admit I'm
1: right. <laughs> like she has to. Well, yeah, to- but 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 I'm saying, in what law of doctrine is the comparison?
2: Yeah, they're both very vague statements, right? Right. Because, like-,
1: like, if if all three of us walk outside right now, even in Miami, I'm gonna wear a hoodie. And Jared, I'm going to tell you right now that I'm going to think it's hotter than you do, but does that mean that your hot is wrong and my- Right,
0: it's subjective, but I want you to fall into my opinion. No, no, I'm I'm
1: agreeing with everything you say. Like, I absolutely love it. Like, it's such a simple, simple concept and it's so powerful and you said it. And I think I want to- Turn up the volume on something you said because you said it in the appropriate order, which is what can I do before I receive? Right? You Mm -hmm. study personal development. You study, um, you know, relational psychology. You study all of it. Like there's a mantra in personal development that I used to love. Um, It says, if give away what you want to get, right? Give away what you want to get, right? And so when you think about that, like if I wake up feeling like sad, right? I'm like, oh, I want somebody to make me happy. Well, make somebody happy. Go give it away right? Like, go give it away. Go give it away, which is actually there, the medicine.
0: There is a post-it note. which I, I love like having post-it notes everywhere. Oh. A little reminder. Every time. Hold on. One, two. Uh-huh. This is just
1: from right before
0: our call. I'm a this, post-it this, guy This too, is man. from like YouTube here. I got a whole notebook. <laughs> <laughs> so I got, the so I got I, that
1: notebook and this notebook. For those guys. of you listening, we're comparing papyrus right I, now. <laughs> so- This is actually
2: a big advertisement for that company. Yeah,
0: post-it notes are like yes, yes. (laughs) Um, So I have a post-it note in my room. Every time I leave my room, all it says is "give value." Yeah, and and I want and I want to always remember that. As soon as I leave my room, because in my room I'm just chilling around, whatever. But as soon as I leave my room, the world is my office. I'm, I'm going at it. I'm interacting with people. So it's, I just always wanted that mentality of no matter what, give value first, even if it gives yep. nothing in return, it's, right. that it's kind marketing of law.
1: Number one, man. Yep. That's marketing law number one. And you know, the inverse of this, when we're talking about giving away what you want to get, what I think is a really important distinction too. And I, I and like, I'll get off my soapbox here. Like I get to spend the rest of my life loving my wife and figuring out what that looks like by loving mm-hmm. myself. Right. Like that's my commitment to my life, what I'm doing. And I've, We've invested seven figures in therapy and coaching and courses and, you know, men's work and women's work and plant medicine, all that stuff. Right. And the thing that I work on the most today is that we were talking about this when you were talking about like giving gifts and appreciation. Um, and this was probably the biggest business lesson, enrollment lesson, a marketing lesson ever. If I recognize it in you, it's because I have it in me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because yeah. in order for me to see it in you, I have to know what it feels like to have Takes one to no one. Which means when I'm like sitting here and I'm like, God, like my wife's just not picking up after herself. I'm like, where am I not picking up the house right now? Right? Because it's just projecting. It's protective. Like human beings just want to be comfortable. That's all mm. we want. That's it. We crave comfort because it's predictable and it's safety, right? I and will so we... say that I, I want to,
0: nope. maybe I, I don't want to like go contradict here, but I do want to bring up a, an instant alarm bell I had when you're saying that. Please. Because it could lead to um, It could be like self, not shaming, but like, for, I'll, I'll give you the example, right? Yep. My partner is hitting me. Where am I messing up with them? Well, let me, right? let so me, let, the,
1: okay, so let's set some ground rules. Abuse, never okay, no matter right. what. Right. But,
0: but, but let's, I, I just use an extreme example, but like, totally. She's or the person is doing something messed up, maybe because, you know, some people are an empath, other people are narcissists. And they're like, they're just taking from me. Maybe there's something I'm doing to take from them when you're not doing anything wrong. Well, that's
1: where self-awareness comes in, right? Because when you think about it, right? Like the difference is if I'm sitting here, right? And you and I are talking and we're Mm -hmm. contradicting and you cut me off. I only have one of two reactions. I'm either going to be receptive, open and listen, or I'm going to get defensive and react. I can only react or respond, right? If I react, it's because it's in me too. If I listen and respond, it's because I'm confident and I'm grounded and I'm clear and I'm holding space, right? And so this is where that alone time Mm -hmm. and that self-reflection time and that growth really, really comes in, right? Because you can't just tend to another garden and expect yours to grow. Like you have to do both and you have to water yours first. Like as cheesy as it sounds, like your auction mask has to come on first. And so you have that awareness when you do this. And these are just things to play with. Like, these are just distinctions to talk about because like, I'll realize like, we'll be in the middle of a conversation and like, I'll catch myself, I'm like, hey, babe, don't you think that, you know, that was a little, and she's like, oh, it's interesting, I never said that. Are you making it judgmental? I'm like, I totally am, sorry I asked, hold on. Where's that showing up? And it's, and it's fun, like we play with it now and it's, you know. Yeah. It's, and and, it's- and there, is,
0: there is the emotional uh, reaction. I, I even teach my guys where like, I, I always tell them like, look, if you're talking to a random girl and she makes you angry or sad, you're wrong. Because you <laughs> gave her that power over you. Like she didn't make you angry or sad, you feel something that's causing this for herself so if she rejects you it's because you see yourself I, like if a girl rejects me now if i go up and talk to a girl in a bar and she rejects me i just like all right like sucks to be her like whatever or 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 it's or it's or it's funny to me or it's like i can take i can see the humor in that the amusement in that right like it's just or it's, or at the very least it's just indifference it's like okay it's not for her she's dealing with something or she's just not into it cool D- doesn't mean that like it's it's doesn't mean anything. But I but, think the big part is she's not rejecting you. Well, she, she can't. Well, she no, really, of she, course, she can can't nobody, me.
1: nobody can, but you weren't in that moment that lens in that moment, right. For whatever she was going on in her day,
0: right. But here, in here, that moment well, in time. So that's the argument is like, maybe she's a lesbian. Maybe she had a boyfriend. Maybe she just <laughs> broke up with a boyfriend. Maybe her dad just died. Maybe like, so, and granted, like, we don't know what's going on with her, but even take that aside, let's just take that aside. And, and which is a great argument in terms of the whole rejection. I was, I was in Berlin doing, um, doing like a boot camp or, or no, sorry, a convention. And I was getting interviewed by this guy. He says, Jared, how do you deal with it when a girl rejects you off of a cold approach? And what I told him was, I honestly have no idea. Cause it's never happened to me. And she's like, oh, really? Like you're that good. You've never been like, oh, you're that big time. And I'm like, no, here, let me explain. If I go up and talk to a girl, uh, let's say girl, a right. I could do and say everything right and she will fucking like love me. She'll be all about me and think this guy's the greatest guy in the world. Now, if I groundhog day this and I go back in time, I can go to that same girl and say drastically different things and come up with a different body language and do you know a lot of different stuff. And she'll think I'm scum of the earth. She'll think I'm the worst guy ever. I'm such a loser, right? Same girl. And I'm just either doing action A or action B. So really, she's not judging me. She's not really rejecting me. She doesn't know who I am. She's seen a snapshot, a little snippet in time, and she's judging whatever my actions are for that brief little window that she's Mm -hmm. getting to see me. And all that tells me is, do I need to tweak this? (laughs) So if it's bad, it's like, it's not me. It's like that thing I did, I should tweak it. I should change up the wording. I should maybe hold myself a little bit different. It's nothing to do with me. It's Mm. just that window. So- that's what I'm um, saying. That's, a, that's what it. I
1: think the big important distinction is for you. Like, that's the part of it. It's a, it's like a performance or the way that I played the play that came right. Like, oh, I fumbled, but don't quit the game. Right. Stumble, don't fall. There's another play, right? There's another play. That's what I think is so important because in this world, like what we're talking about, because that thread was related to what we were talking about. There's this point where you don't want to be putting labels on yourself and collecting evidence for fault, blame, guilt, or shame. Right. Right. And so like recognizing things for what they are, but all of it is just a, is a play of like awareness and like how I'm going to show up. Like all we're all doing is collecting tools. That's it we have a giant toolbox and a lot of different tools. And at any moment we have to figure out which one to pull out of that box. And sometimes it's not going to work. The hammer didn't work on the screw. We put the hammer back and we grabbed the screwdriver. Right. And that's like, I think the practice of it, but it's not like I'm a broken, it's not like the handyman sucks. It's like, Oh, I don't have the tool or I need that tool or I need to use a different tool right. is the most important part of it because all of it is really just relating. And you know, moment to moment, we relate. That's it. It's moment to moment. Like energetically we've modulated all three of us, right? Like, Jamie finished her coffee and she's all like sitting up straight now ready to go. She's like amping for that question. Cause I challenged something. I don't know. And then there's times like, I'm just sitting over here down and like, you know, and I think that that's the best part is like realizing, you know, for me, cause all I can talk about is me. Right. right. I think for me is the play of it. It's just reminding myself that all I'm doing is playing moment to moment to moment to moment to moment. Right. And that's it. And there, there's no, the only time I lose is if I stop playing
0: mm-hmm. yeah. so- and I freeze and I go. So unfortunately, I, I would keep, like, I think you said earlier, and I agree, we could talk about forever. Oh, we go we're we're, we're going to have to have you back, but for now we do have to <laughs> bring this to an end for, for guys who want to know more. And if you're, if you listen to this, and you don't want to know more, I don't know what's wrong with you. This is probably one of the most interesting men I've had the uh, privilege of interviewing and talking to What is the best way for them to contact you, find out more about you and seek your guidance?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll make it really easy for you. Um, uh, it's mindofgeorge.com, www.mindofgeorge.com. My podcast is The Mind of George Show. It links to all my social, but um, this is my level of crazy and authenticity. So that's why I named it The Mind of George Show. So <laughs> it might be straight jackets a little bit. I thought about putting a straight jacket around my logo, right? Because I'm okay. like, sometimes I feel like this thing belongs in an institution, but. Uh, <laughs> Daniel Amon said I was okay. So the mind of George shows my podcast and uh, yeah, any, anything there um, I'll help anybody I can with anything I can. Uh, and if I don't know, I might know who to recommend or introduce you to. And uh, one, one last uh, recommendation, because we gave book recommendations and no matter when this podcast comes out, I watched a movie the other day that's like hidden on Apple TV and it's called chasing the present. And it probably mm-hmm. single-handedly had the biggest impact on my psyche of anything that I've consumed in the last 15 years.
0: Love and where is Dr. this movie?
1: It's it's on Apple TV. It's called Chasing the Present. Just Google Chasing the Present. It's an entrepreneur who built like nine successful companies and then was miserable having anxiety attacks and documented his journey. And gets into like duality experts and people talking about duality and existence and consciousness. And like it was really because it was Barney style enough for me. And I got it. Like it, I felt it. And I like I was like, yeah, let's go do it. So it's a really good movie that I'm recommending to everybody because uh, I'm going to watch it like once a week. Oh, wow. Good.
0: All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here, Georgia. It was, it was really great having you. No, this was a blast. I was like, let's go round two. <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right. Bye. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>